0: Praise God. You may be seated. Praise God. We had a great morning this morning, didn't we? Gee, I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed this morning. Who loves coming to church? I do. Pastor Bill was speaking this morning about eternity. And has anyone ever seen that word down in Sydney, eternity? But have you ever thought about it, eternity? Like, what does that mean? It means never any but can you can you imagine that? Like can you even think eternally? Can you think like do you kids realise that, you know, you guys that have just given your heart to the Lord recently, do that means that you live forever. Forever. And then forever and then forever and then forever and then forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And ever, and ever. You know, those old stories says that you lived happily ever after. Well, that's what happens when you get saved. You live happily ever after. You see, this world, this world that we live in, is a temporal thing. You know, the scriptures say we're just passing through. We're just here for a little time. We're actually here on mission. You're here with a mission. Each one of you has a mission. You know it deep down inside you. Naomi, you, might, you even know that. You, you don't know even what the heck you're doing in this building. But deep down inside, you know that you're on this planet for a reason. You're not just here to hang around and, and do life and then it's finished. You're here for a mission. And that mission is this. That mission is to save humanity. Amen? You know, Luke said this morning, Jesus Christ came and his mission was to save the world. And then what did he do? He gave it to us and said, finish it. I've saved the world. I've given my life for salvation. Now just finish the job. Amen? And we should always be living like we're on a mission, but we're not here to stay. And sometimes that's scarier when we think about that, when people say, like Pastor Phil will say, we're in the last days, people. We go, what the heck? We're in the last days and the young people are going, what, the place is going to blow up? I knew it would, nuclear war, I knew that would happen. I've always been afraid of that. You know, so it's pretty creepy when you go, we're in the last days. What does that mean, the last days? What does that mean? It means the culmination of all time. That since the beginning of time, God has been waiting for a time where he would take his people to be with himself and live with them eternally without sin, without wars, without sickness, without any yucky stuff. No boogie men. You don't have to look under the beds anymore. There's no fear. There's no devil. There's none of that stuff. It's just like forever, happily ever after stuff. You see? So it's not something that we need to be afraid of. These are the last days. You go, ooh. No, these are the last days. Yay! Oh, you mean that I don't have to put up with, you know, this and that and that anymore? No mortgage. No mortgage. You get a free house. A free house, actually. And no credit cards, you know, but we'll still have all the good stuff. We'll still have love. Everyone said amen. All the young people go yay. we we'll still have love. We'll still have each other. Yeah, we'll, we'll have fig trees that we can sit under and just go, whoa, we won't be bored because every day there'll be something new that we can see that God has created. If you think this earth is, is really cool, you know, you go walk on the beach, you go, this is amazing. Wait, just wait. You haven't seen anything yet. This is just a little foretaste of the best, of the best of the best. There are colours that you have never seen yet. There are things that you don't have a language to express. There are unspeakable things. There are things that are beyond even your imagination that he has in store for those who love him. We can't even imagine it, what he has in store for us. You are his treasured possession that he will take up to be with himself And he just cannot wait to just throw and pour and lavish and give you everything. He's just got it all stored up. And he's just busting. But he has to wait. Why does he have to wait? I want the good stuff now. He has to wait because there's many more that deserve to be with us. Amen. So when Pastor Phil talks about it's the last days and la, 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 we have to know this. Just put that first scripture up for me. It's the very past, last part of this. To them God has chosen to make known among Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. Everyone say mystery? Which, what is the mystery? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yet yeah, if you have Christ within you, and if you don't, you'll have an opportunity later on for Christ to come and live inside you. You know, the Bible talks about being born again. And we're born of our mothers, but we need to be born of the Spirit so that we can be one with God, so we can live eternally, so we have be forgiven of sins. And, oh, man, it's just unreal stuff. But it's, So that's Christ in you. Christ comes in to live in you, with you, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, happily ever after. Amen? But Christ in you is what? It's hope. How many people know we need hope right now? We need a lot of hope. Amen? You look at the news, you look at the stuff going on, we need hope. And what is the hope? It's Christ in me, the hope of what? Of glory. You will be glorified one day. One day you will look into the eyes of Jesus and he will make you perfect. And all those struggles and all the stuff, and all the stuff you don't like about you and you don't like about life and you don't, all the stuff, it will just fade away. It will just fade away when you look into his face and you become like him. You become like the one you behold. And he touches you and he makes you perfect. And you get this beautiful body. And it's not going to be like this body. It's going to, you're going to have it and people will recognize you, but it's going to be the best body. And it won't be like El Burson's body. It will be glorified. It will just be better than all that stuff. Amen? Amen? Hope of glory. We have the hope of glory. We have the hope of being glorified. And we have the hope of eternal life. Amen. I remember a long time ago, it was a long time ago, in the 80s, uh, there was this thing, you know, these are the last days. We've got to get ready. Christ is coming back. And um, and those of you who are new to the faith, you don't even know what I'm saying. Christ is coming back. The promise is this. This is the promise. That the world will escalate to a certain point in time that wars and rumors of wars will come and trouble will come and the world will get and yes, we will see nuclear weapons formed and all this stuff and, and it's just going to get to this peak, this point where they're about to blow each other up with nuclear bombs and Christ says he will come back, he will take us off this earth and he will put us in a holding place until he comes back and sorts the mess out. Never again will the world be destroyed by, by, by anything. A third of the world will be destroyed by fire, which makes sense, the nuclear war, doesn't it? A third of the world will be destroyed by fire. But Jesus will come back right in the midst of the war of Armageddon, which would be the superpowers, Russia and China, joining forces. You can see that happening already. Joining forces. They're about to go to war, and then Christ comes on a white cloud, the trumpets sound, every eye sees him, the whole world looks upon him, and every knee bows, and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of the Father. We're already up there, we're already with him, a lot of us will come back on the cloud with him, and we come back, rescue, rescue, last rescue mission, we're here. And then the judgment will come. We'll fix everything up. We'll get a new earth, new new heaven, new earth. We're going to live with him forever and ever and ever. And uh, no more yuck stuff. Is that good news? So when he says it's the last days, that's kind of what it means. All the youth looking we go, nuclear war? This is this good news? Mm. Yeah. And so in the 80s, everyone thought it was going to happen and so everybody started doing weird stuff and teaching stuff and People worked buying bomb shelters and living in them. It was weird, Jamie. It was a funny time. Uh, But we don't want to do that. Why is that? Because we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. So we know that these things are going to happen, but we don't live looking for them. We're ready. We're waiting. We know what's going to happen, but we get to work and we do what God has called us to do. We bring the harvesting quickly. As many as we can get in, it's time. So when we say it's the last day, you say, come on. I've got to get my grandma saved. I don't want to leave her behind. I've got to get my grandfather. And that should be, you know, the exciting mission that we have. Put the next one up. And let me just pump some hope in there now. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. Everyone say, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. He will come back. Everyone say, he will come back. He is coming back. He's going to take me to be with him. Amen. It's like Noah's Ark. You know how he told all the animals and people that the people get in Noah's ark? The earth's going to be destroyed by floods. And the same thing is of these days. People are drinking, eating, in marriage, just like in the days of Noah, and then it'll come suddenly upon them. But we know better. We're going to get in the ark. The ark is Jesus Christ. The ark is Jesus Christ. He is the ark now. Get in Christ. Get Christ in you. Get in the boat. Amen. Get in that place of safety and know that you have not just a ticket out of here, but you have a way to get your whole family out, every friend that you know, and every person that you know. You know, it's funny. Uh, I had four, four daughters, and uh, you know, parents kind of dread the questions that kids ask. You know, they, they ask a lot. Jessie was the biggest question asker of my kids. She still is. She wants to know everything about everything. And we'd be in the car, and I have, you know, I had three little ones, so I had three car seats. In the back, three cars. I had three and three and a half years. Gemma came along seven years later in my older age. But I had the three, and they would all, you know, talk and chatter. But Jesse would always go, what's that? It's a truck. Why? Because it's got wheels. and it's, What for? And it would just be all oh, the whole trip. Just shut up. It's a truck. You know? <laughs> But I think the question that we all dread as parents, and you'll all agree with me, when you're on a long trip and the kids say, how much further is it? Are we there yet? How much further is it? And so trying to explain to a child how much further it is, how much longer it is, when a child really has no sense of how to read kilometre signs They don't understand alarm clocks or time. They don't wear a watch. They have no concept. They have no hook to hang that hat on. You know what I'm saying? No concept. So you can say to a kid, okay, it's going to take us about two hours. It's about 250 kilometers. And they go, but how much farther is that? (laughs) Are we nearly there? Like They will just keep asking because they have no concept. And that's kind of what it's like. When we talk about eternity, isn't it like really we don't have a ha- you know we don't have a hook to hang it on. You, know, you think you understand it, but I'm telling you, we don't understand it. So all we got to do is what it says: trust, Tr- trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, and He will make your path straight. He said in the beginning of that scripture. Just pop it up again. Trust in God. Do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Just that part, thanks. Trust also in me. Do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. I think Phil's dad used to say, sit by you, because he was Welsh. Sit by you. Dad's driving, you know. And and, and really, all we can say to our kids when they're asking those kind of questions, how far is it, where are we going? We can just have to say, just trust me and enjoy the trip. Do you want another lolly? Or banana, if you're healthy, you know. Just, in other words, we're saying, you just do the trusting and I'll just do the taking. And that's what Jesus is saying to us. You just do the trusting, I'm going to do the taking. You just sit by your dad's driving this thing, amen. You just do what I want you to do and what I've called you to do and leave the complicated stuff up to me. Let your, your hearts be troubled, Trust in God. Trust also me. He says, I will come and get you. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says this. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. <laughs> Some of you young people go, no, nah, out nah, in the prime of my life. But you know, us that are older, can you, is that right, Daryl? You know, outwardly, we're kind of wasting away. Those that are sick, you know, would know that outwardly we are wasting away. But inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now this is the scripture I want you to look at. So, everyone say so. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. Say temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. What you can see, what you can touch, what you can smell around you, these are temporary things. Don't get hung up on it, you know. Don't get hung up on your hair, guys. I've never seen so many guys with so many hairdos. It's freaking me out. When you, if that was in my day, we would have said they were gay. But these days, it's just you can just do that and that and that, and it's and it's cool. And Phil loves it. I mean, Phil had really long hair, and <laughs> but these things, everybody say they are temporary. Your haircut is temporary. He had long ringlets. He was so hot. Honestly, I looked at him. I thought, you're the closest thing to Jesus I've ever seen. I'm going to marry you. And his hair was temporary. (laughs) Because I had a pair of scissors. And I thought, I'll marry you, but you've got to cut that hair. And I took him into my grandma. She was in hospital. And she says, he's really cute, but cut his hair. I said, yeah, grandma, I am. I'm going to. Our, I say, uh, but isn't he hotter? Oh no, no, so he's hotter now. He's hotter now. I'm telling you. He grew into these. Anyway, we won't go there. Our childlike minds are ill equipped to handle the thought of eternity. Now I've put our childlike minds, but really it's kind of like our earth like minds. Our earthly minds, they're ill equipped. But he says, don't be troubled, trust in God, trust in me. Don't be anxious about things that you cannot comprehend, okay? Issues like, you'll hear words like the millennium. What the heck is that? And the Antichrist. Look at how the Antichrist is coming. It could be, it was supposed to be George Bush, and now it's going to be Barack Obama, or whatever his name is. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's going to be, it's, yeah, it, who, what was that? It could be Oprah Winfrey, you know, I've heard all this stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it could be Dr. Who, did you say? I thought you said Dr. Dr. Phil, he's Christian. Anyway, but he might be pretending because the Antichrist is just going to be nice and trick us all. But anyway, things like that, things like the Antichrist, listen, they are intended to challenge us to be ready. They were never intended to overwhelm us and certainly not to divide us on issues. Your opinion on the subject of the millennium, the last days, the end of the world, whatever, it really doesn't matter. We're all going to work it out one day when Christ comes and he's just going to go, boom, we go, oh. You know, just trust, amen, just trust. For the Christian, the return of Christ is not a riddle to be solved or a code to be cracked, but rather a great day to be anticipated. Amen? something to get excited about. Let me read you this story. This is good. George Tullock, funny name, displayed similar determination. In 1996, he led an expedition to the spot where the Titanic sank in 1912. He and his crew recovered numerous artefacts, everything from eyeglasses to jewellery to dishware. In his search, Tullock realised that a large piece of the hull had broken from the ship and was resting not far from the vessel. Tullock immediately knew And saw the opportunity at hand. Here was a chance to rescue part of the ship itself. Whoopie doo. Men get excited about stuff like this. The team set out to raise the 20-ton piece of iron and place it onto the boat. They were successful in lifting it to the surface, but a storm blew in and the ropes broke and the Atlantic reclaimed her treasure. Tullock was forced to retreat and regroup. But before he left, he did something curious. He descended into the deep and with the robotic arm of his submarine attached a strip of metal to the section of the hull. And on the metal he'd written these words, I will come back, George Tullock. At first glance, this action is humorous. I mean, it's not like he has to worry about a lot of people stealing his new piece of steel that he's found. For one thing, it's two and a half miles below the surface of the Atlantic. For another, well, it's a piece of junk. We wonder why anybody would be so attracted to it. Of course, one might say the same thing about you and me. Why would God go to such efforts to reclaim us? What good are we to him? He must have have his reasons because 2,000 years ago, he entered the murky waters of our world in search of his children. And on all who will allow him to do so, he lays his claim and tags his name, I will come back. He says, George Tullock did return two years later and rescued that piece of iron. Jesus will as well. We don't know when he will come for us. We don't know how he will come for us. And we really don't even know why he would come for us. All we have our ideas and opinions, but most of what we have is just faith. Faith that he is ample space and a prepared place at the right time he will come so that we can be where he is. He will do the taking; it's up to us to do the trusting. Amen. Isn't that isn't that awesome? Amen. Jesus is saying some things in this verse that we read before. Just put that verse up again. I just want to keep going back to this verse. No, no, I want to go back to the first, the um, uh, John fourteen one. Yep. Yep. Now, just go on for there. Do not let your hearts be troubled. We talked about that. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Next part. In my Father's house are many rooms. I just want to talk about these for a minute. You can take that off. Thanks. In my Father's house are many rooms. Why would Jesus say that? In my Father's house are many rooms. Why would he want us to know that? That in my Father's house, there are many rooms. Listen, how many times in your life and in mine... Have we been told there's room for you here? There's no room for you here. There's no room for your type here. There's no room for your colour here. There's no room for your gender here. There's no room for your age group here. There's no room for you here. Preschool, try and enrol your child in pre. There's no room for her here. Football team, there's no room for you here. You want to be in the in crowd at school. There's no room for you here. You want to go to a Benny Hinn conference. My mum, I rang her up. We went down to a Benny Hinn breakfast the other day. And because we went to the thing and we're going to support the conference, he's given us reserve seating for us, our staff and our family. So I rang my mum. I said, guess what? I've got reserve seating for you for Benny Hinn. And I didn't realise that she had gone to and my sister had gone to the last two conferences of Benny Hinn, lined up for hours and never got in and had to sit in the foyer and listen from the foyer. I didn't realize that. No room for you in here, not even in a ben Hinn conference for my mom. No room for you in college. You're not smart enough. No room here. No room at this job. Somebody else got it better than you. No room. I remember I grew up in show business. Do you know how many times I would stand on a stage like this in front of a, a line of people like, you know, so you think you can dance. I would do my thing. They'd go, no room for you here. Too short, too tall, too fat. Hair's the wrong colour. No room for you here. Jesus understood this. How many times did he, say, he hear the words, there's no room? He was only a baby. No room for you in this inn. In his mother's womb, no room for you here. What about when, when, when all the... the, the uh, he stood in a temple and he proclaimed, behold, these scriptures have come to pass this day. They're going to stone him. No room for a prophet here. No room for prophets here. And what about the Pharisees? No room for the self-proclaimed Messiah here. What about on the cross? No room for you in this world, Jesus. Even now, he goes from heart to heart looking for a room. Just like the inn, he's going from heart to heart looking for a room. No room for you in my heart, Jesus. You've paid an incredible price. You've done all these great things, but no room for you in my heart, Jesus. He goes to the Christians, spend time with me, love me, be with me. No time, no room for you, Jesus, in my life. I'll believe in you, I've got a ticket out. No room for you in my life, Jesus. No room, no room. But every now and again, he finds someone. He finds someone that just the door of their heart just bursts open, says, Jesus, come in and stay. There's room for you in here. And he lives for that moment. Amen. He lives. That's why he, when he hears those words, Jesus, there's room for you in here, in my heart. He turns around and says, well, I've got ample room for you. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you can also be. I have ample room for you. Amen. Isn't that awesome? The second thing I want to see here, that scripture again, please. Just the next part. And then it says here, yes, if I go and prepare a place for you, this is what I want to say, I will come back. I will come back. I will come back and get you. I will come back. If I'm going to prepare a place for you, I will come back. Say that right now. I will come back. Look to the person next to you, say, he's coming back. For you. He will come back. He will come back. Amen? Listen to this. One more story. You like stories? You like stories? I love stories. I love stories. In 1989, the Armenian earthquake needed only four minutes To flatten the nation and kill 30,000 people. I never heard about that earthquake. I don't know where I was in 1989. It must be somewhere. I'm just going to say it again. 1989. The Armenian earthquake needed only four minutes to flatten the nation and kill 30,000 people. Moments after the deadly tremor ceased, a father raced to an elementary school to save his son. When he arrived, he saw the building had been leveled. Looking at the mass of stones and rubble he remembered a promise he had made to his child. No matter what happens, I will always be there for you. Driven by his own promise, he found the area closest to his son's room and began to pull back the rocks. Other parents arrived and began sobbing for their children. It's too late, they told the man, stop. You know they are dead, you cannot help them. Even a police officer encouraged him, give up. Give up, man. It's too late. It's too late. But the father refused. For eight hours, then 16, then 32, 36 hours, he dug. His hands were raw and his energy gone, but he refused to quit. Finally, after 38 wrenching hours, he pulled back a boulder and heard his son's voice. He called his boy's name, Aman, Aman, and a voice answered him, Dad, it's me. And then the boy added these priceless words. I told the other kids not to worry. I told them if you were alive, you'd save me. And when you save me, you would save them too. Because you promised, Dad, no matter what, I will always be there for you. 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit came into a tomb. When all hope was gone, When everyone says, give up, Jesus is dead. It's finished. The Holy Spirit came into a tomb. He rolled the stone away. He came in power on Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, victorious, conquering death, conquering sin, so that in him you would also be raised up with glory, where you would live in a place where there is no more death where there is no more hell, where there is no more pain, where there is no more tears, where there is no more gnashing of teeth, where Jesus Christ will live with us forever, eternally, forever. Amen? Let's stand up and clap our hands. Amen. Come on. Come on. You know, it says in 1 Corinthians 4, 5, it says, therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. And at the end of this, it says, at that time, each will receive his praise from God. You know what's going to happen? When you get raised up with Jesus Christ, you're going to stand before God. And it says each will receive his praise. It doesn't say each will receive a rebuking. If you are a Christian and you are in Christ, when you stand before God, you will receive praise. Amen. And it won't, it doesn't say, it doesn't say just those that accomplish something will receive praise. It doesn't say the best will receive praise. It doesn't say the most popular will receive praise. It says each one. Will receive His praise. Not just the achievers. Not just a few of them. Not just the best of them. But each one will receive His praise. And you know what? God's not going to assign it to Michael. Say, Michael, just go over there and give them a bit of praise with you. You know, and, and 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 pass it off. No, He's not going to assign it to the Holy Spirit. He's not going to assign it to the to the other angels in heaven. It says, when you stand before God. He will come himself and he will give you praise. Each one, personally. One, each one, each one. You know, not a nation at a time, not a whole horde of people at a time, not a church at a time, but one at a time. One at a time. And you will know that God is a personal God and that he sees you, and that he knows you, and he has waited all of this time that you would stand before him, that he would give you the praise that you deserve, the praise that you deserve because you're his child, and you believed in his son, and you lived for him, and that's all he wants to know. Amen.